privilege of going on a vacation a couple weeks ago and one of my friends, uh, he's one of my closest friends, he, he's like, God told me to buy these tickets. He didn't have a lot of money, but he was like, God told me to buy these tickets. So I said, dude, God told me he's got something big for you out here. And I didn't know what that meant, but I went out there in expectation and I don't know, I think a lot of times we make God intangible. We make it seem as if we can't get a hold of him. And I went out there and I just saw these people. Just every day they talked with Holy Spirit and he, and he spoke back to them. And just being in the presence of God, there's, there's truly nothing like it. I look at my friend's life and how much it has changed since he's gone out there. He has true freedom, and that's why it's so important, the song I'm going to sing it, it just talks about there's no place that I would rather be than, than right here in your love, because in the love of God, that's where we have our freedom, that's where we have our peace, that just goes beyond everything, and even just listening to that last, last song, when the storms rage, when you're in God's presence, it doesn't matter, and as I've gone before, I would be very distracted by all, all the things of life, electronics, but just going out there and getting a taste like that, there's nothing like it. And, and even in this song, the other part I sing is to set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain and I can't control. Because that's true, I don't want to stop. I want to see this world changed. And that's why we are the, the city on a hill, man. We want to see Thornton changed by God's love because it's not Pastor John, it's not Jen, it's not Marcy, it's not me, it's God and his presence. And he wants to invade this building. He wants to invade this place. God, I thank you so much for your presence. Continue to fill this room and flood out and pour out. Pour out of our lives and our workplaces everywhere when we step out of this building. I thank you so much, Holy Spirit. Just continue to be with us, speak to us, and teach us to listen. Thank you so much, and it's in Jesus' name. Set a fire. Set a fire down in my soul that it can't contain, that it can't control. Cause I want more of you, God. Cause I want more. Sing that again. 
You set a fire down in my soul That it can't contain, that it can't control Cause I want more of you, God I want no place No place I'd rather be No place I'd rather be No place I'd rather be Than here in your love no place I'd rather be No place I'd rather be No place I'd rather be Than here in your love here. Sing that out, church No place I'd rather be No place I'd rather be Yeah. 
I've shared this song once before. This is a song that I wrote during a very dark, dark time in my life. And every time I sing it, it's not only a decree for my life, but it's an anthem that says, no matter what happens, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, there is nothing that the blood of Jesus can't cover. There is nothing, there, there is no place too far from God that you can be, that he can't find you, that he can't heal you right where you are. All he wants is you just as you are right now. In this moment, if you're facing something today and you just feel like there is no way out, you are in the right place at the right time because God is here to meet you today. He's here to heal up that wound, to bind up that brokenness in you. Just receive it from him today.
something when you declare it. So now that we've received it, we're going to believe that it's all done because of what Jesus did on the cross. We're going to believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing this. It is done. It is done. It is done. believe that. Sing it is
whatever it is today. I receive, I receive, I receive it in Jesus. Come on, can you just worship him a little bit today? Stay seated for just a second. I just those words I was just thinking sometimes we thank you for writing that song, Jen. Just that God speaks. I pray that God would speak to this body believers, amen. Through our worship team, through our kids, through our leaders, through our pastors. And I just as those words came out to me, it was I was thinking sometimes we see, you know, our kids are anybody's kids good at receiving? No, mine are the only ones. I think they, they are like more takers than receivers. But man, in a moment, you know, in, as adults, sometimes we don't really know how to receive. And, and even in this moment, I, I pray that when you think of receiving, it's receiving God's best. So don't be afraid to pray that prayer. You know what I mean? That we say, God, I pray for your best in my life in this moment. 
that I receive it. It may not be exactly as you package it. When your kid opens, I remember my kids open gifts, they're like, hey, that's not really, you know, socks, but that's what you need, you know. That's not very inspiring. But you know what I mean? Like, receive God's will in this moment right now, and I'm going to pray, and um, you guys can just keep, just keep, um, just believing, but, um, you know, we've had the, the journey that, that we're on sometimes is not how we think it should be, right? That's not how we see things. That's not how, how our plan should work and how, God, why did it work out this way? But how often do you come out on the other side and you're saying, thank God I have no regrets I went through that. I have no regrets that that was my journey because how I came out of it, I was a better person, a better man, a better woman, father, sister, brother, daughter, whatever. That we accept that, that journey and we, we, we have contentment through that. All right? So I'm gonna, I know that's, that's a, it's a word and it's, um, it's maybe different than what you're expecting, but I'm going to pray right now just that you in your own life, pray in yourself. I'm just going to pray over us um, in this moment and we'll continue. But I just pray for God's blessing right now, God's, God's will. And I want to pray for this lady over here because she's still, still going through it. So I'm going to pray for Candace, our pastor's wife. And, um, you know, I don't know the answers. We don't know the answers. But I want to pray in this moment that we receive it, whatever it may be. And it may not be in this moment. It may be six months from now, Jason. It may be a year from now. I don't know. But I'm going to pray right now. God, I pray over this church right now, this Hill City Church. God, this body believers, God, that right now we put aside our own thinking, our own ways, our own perceptions of how things should be, God. And in this moment, we ask for something supernatural in this church, God, over every single person who's in this room or online, God. And we pray, Father, for your will, God. Your will be done in our lives, God. Above anything else, God, we set aside our own ambitions. We set aside our own plans, God, and we pursue you, God. How great it would be, Father God, for us to live a life under you, God, and what you have for our life, God. So we receive it this morning. I pray for Candace O, God. I pray for her body. I pray for her mind, God. And I pray for healing over her in this moment. God, your will be done on Candace. Your will be done, God. We believe in the name of Jesus. We believe in healing. God, and we believe, God, that you can touch her in this moment, God, that doctors can't figure something out. And we don't know why, God, but, Lord, we accept the journey. We accept it, God, and we walk in it with contentment, God. So, God, we receive it right now, Father, and I pray, Father, that she would begin to be healed in this moment, Jesus. Lord, I don't demand it. I don't request it, God. I just ask, God, for your will be done, God. Touch her life, God. Cover her with your blood, just like that song said, God, that we're healed. And God, I pray for the rest of this service, Father, we would open up right now. Good, God, good. You are good. Just say in your own way, God is good. God is good. I've met people who have gone through the hardest, hardest situations you can ever imagine in life. And they come out of it moments after and say, God is good. How can that be? How can that be? But God, it's because we know what you've done for us. We know what you have for us. We know the plans you have for us, God. Lord, we walk under that this morning. Lord, that we may be a church that submits to you and looks after your will first, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Give God a hand. You guys can be seated this morning. Hope everyone's doing well on this beautiful, cool morning. Enjoying the coolness. I had a tennis match yesterday. Who wouldn't play tennis in 95 degree weather? Cool thing about tennis is you get on the court and it's actually 10 degrees hotter because of the asphalt. So it's even, even one more wonderful. 
Um, I just got a few announcements. Um, my goal is not to come up here and read announcements that you can read on your phone, um, but you can read these on your phone. Um, if you don't know, we have an iOS and an Android. We don't have a BlackBerry app. Sorry, Chase. No, just kidding. We have iOS and Android uh, apps for Hill City, and within that, you can go to My Events, and uh, within there, there's, there's all sorts of cool things um, that you can uh, that, that are coming up. Uh, so I just wanted to call out a few things. We are officially launching um, our first, we've done these in the past as Thrive Church North, now we're a new church, new name. Um, so we have Hill City Barbecues and Fun in the Park. That's kind of a long name, but we'll call it Hill, Hill City Barbecues. And those are beginning next Sunday night. Uh, the first one is at 5 p.m. at Northern Lights Ball Field. That's over by Rocky Top Middle School, right around 100 and, I should know this, I live right there. 144th and York-ish, all right, south of there, right? Just look for the nice park. Um, bring your own stuff, it's a barbecue, we have a great time. Um, lots of things to do for the kids. Um, and then August 14th, say August 14th, is Paul's, is Paul's birthday. That's my birthday. But no, it's not we're, not, we're not having a church event about my birthday, although we could. My wife would say yes, my kids would say yes, my mom would like that. Um, but uh, we won't do that. No, we're going to do something more important, which is uh, a new birth. We'll, we'll get after that. No, we won't talk about that. But um, baptisms, August 14th. Say baptisms. All right, so we are going to do our first baptisms. Um, I, I don't know why I'm looking up there, but it's just a, isn't that a cool light? John, you did a good job on that graphic. Uh, but uh, August 14th, baptisms, we're going to do it right here um, outside. Uh, right out here if you've done it before. It's an awesome event. So um, if you're interested, um, please come talk to us at the guest center. Um, we're up front. We'll be at the end if you're interested in being baptized or if you know someone who is interested in being baptized, um, be it yourself, family member, kids, etc. Um, we'd love to, to have you guys uh, participate in that. All right, ushers, why don't you come forward? And I'm going to, um, hey, Robert, would you mind praying for us for the offering this morning? And um, we'll go from there. So you guys excited to hear Pastor John this morning? All right, we'll get you more hyped up. He's got a good word this morning, so um, I'll give it to Robert, and he'll pray over the offering. Father God, I just thank you for today, dear God, for your Holy Spirit here. Just with worship, dear God, I know you're here. I felt your presence, dear God, and I just ask that it continue, dear God, to speak to us. I ask that you just give us the hearts to, to give, dear God, whether it be that 10% or whatever it is that you put on our hearts, dear God, but build us up to that. And I ask that you bless those who give today, dear God, for you, not for us, dear God, but for the joy of you, for the peace of you, just for, for your presence, dear God, is what I speak into this place. I speak life into everyone here, dear God. I just love you and I thank you and lift this up to you that you have your way, dear God. As Paul said, your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Uh, I, I need a little more hype than that. Just even pretend. Good morning. Hey, Nicole. Good to see you guys. I just want to uh, give a little shout out to Judy. It's her birthday, so happy birthday. And so make sure you tell her happy birthday today. How are you guys doing? Welcome to Hill City Church. And I, I'm just very glad that you came. Uh, more than anything, I love you guys. I love being here. I love, I love the, uh, the atmosphere. I, I even like that no one like, starts worship on time because we're all talking. 
Like, that means you guys like each other, you know? You're like, oh, they're singing. And I know that fr probably frustrates Jen. Like, people come and sing, and everyone's just out there. They're chilling, just building on the relationship. For me, the relationship is what's so important for me. Because that's, we, we love God, and then we love one another. That, that, that's the greatest, that's the great commandment for our lives. I don't want us to be just a, functionally Christians we come here do our functional things and we leave I want us to be in here hey man and I want us to be in here and uh, just uh, I don't know enjoy the life of one another and, and that's what I that's what I desire for us and if you're a guest I hope you got to meet some great people grab some coffee grabbed a bagel before the kids stole them all because they will right little animals they will get them all right but we're on part three of, of the series, We Are Hill City. Say, we are Hill City. I love this. We are Hill City. We're going through the core values of, of who we are. Because before we launch off and do all these other things, I want us to set straight the four things that we always want to hit every time we get in here, why we do what we do. See, values bring clarity. I don't know if you have family values, but there's, sometimes there's unwritten family values, right? There's values like we don't, the O's don't do this. We don't do that. There's certain values that our family has a culture of living by. And we want a certain culture, a certain standard that we do here that keeps us focused on the unique call that God has given us. We don't want to be someone else, right? See, number one, the first value we talked about on the first week was encountering Jesus. Say, encountering Jesus. We understand that churches don't change lives. I'm just telling you, it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. What changes lives is, is when, we, we, when we encounter Jesus, when there is something that goes on in the supernatural and it opens up our spirit. We don't know what's going on sometimes, but all we know is that God is changing our heart. God is doing something on the inside. There's some work to be done. And I'm telling you, all of us, we got some work to be done. But I want you to encounter Jesus because it says in the Word of God, it's not by might or by power, it's not by our doing, but by God's Spirit says him. That's what he says. He says, I'm going to say it myself. That's says the Lord, right? And when people really experience Jesus, and that's what we're doing. We're trying to move everything out of the way so they can encounter Jesus. It, it changes their lives. It flips their paradigm of living, of what life is about. Sometimes we, 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 we don't really understand. We're just living, and sometimes we don't fully know how to engage life or what life is about. And I'm telling you, in, in the Christian walk, what we believe, and if you have been walking in this in faith, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. That's what the Christian life is about. It's not about church attendance. It's not about uh, just all, all these other things, all these accolades. Nothing. Who cares about the accolades? It's, it's Jesus, Lord of our lives. It's about Him. And, and, and I want, we want every week for people, for heaven to come down and for us to meet Jesus. Value number two, we are family. Say, we are family. Last week, Julie spoke to us about family, that family is fun. We enjoy life together, that we need each other. We need to make memories. The family is fallible. That, uh, you know, don't forget that we're just people. Sometimes we forget when we're in church, oh, they, this and that happened. But we're just fallible. We all fail. And if, you, if you're looking for not, someone not to fail you, you can't trust in anyone. That's just how it goes. Guess what? You're going to fail people too. So you ain't that cool either. So, the, so you throw out the judgment, not under, uh, just understanding that one day you will do that right back. It will come right back at you. 
And, and, and so fam family is fallible. So give grace to your church family like you do to your own family. Because I know, I got crazy family. So do you. Anyone have crazy family? Right? Right? And, and if you don't raise your hand, you know what that means. That means it's you, bro. <laughs> That's you. You're like, I don't have anyone crazy in my family. <laughs> Everyone thinks it's you. That's why. <laughs> Right? That's just how it goes. And today is core value number three. And before we begin, I'm going to pray and then we're going to run right into this because I really believe this is so very, 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 very important. So we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, I know we prayed many times before, God, but I pray that you open up hearts, Lord God. We ask of you, we seek of you, and we're knocking at the door asking for God for, to bring us healing, Lord God. We, we request that from you, Lord God. It says in your word in Isaiah that by your stripes we are healed, that on the cross it was more than moments of salvation, but there was moments of restoration for our lives. And I pray, restore our hearts to the place, Lord God, where we need to be, the place where you have prepared us for advance to do. In the name of Jesus we pray, and everyone said, amen. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Today, core value number three is called finding purpose. Finding purpose. And I know many times we don't talk about purpose in our lives, but I'm telling you, we all need purpose. We do. Some of the most greatest struggles that we will, all, we will face in our lives is the lack of purpose, lack of understanding. What am I here? What in the world am I here to do, God? Why on earth am I here? And we believe at Hill City Church that we are a dream factory. And one of the greatest roles that we have is to help people realize their purpose. Don't live someone else's dream. I'm going to say that to you. Do not live someone else's dream. Don't do it. Don't do it. The greatest impact that you and I can make is to live in this world, God, we can, we can, to live out our God-given purpose. That is the greatest impact that we can make. You don't need to mirror someone else. You need to do what God has placed in you, the gifts that God has placed in you, the calling and the purpose that God has placed in you. Be more afraid of missing that opportunity than making a mistake. Sometimes we're more afraid of making mistakes, but everyone on their deathbed says the opposite, that they, were, they should have taken more risks. That's what everyone says. That is the greatest regret that people have. Not of something they done wrong, but, but something that they didn't do. Think about that for a moment. You will not regret, or most people will not regret what they did wrong. They will regret what they did not do right. What they did not do right. The Apostle Paul says it this way. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That God has a race marked out. He has it marked out. And let us run that race. Let's push off everything aside. So what I want to do is I want to give you part one of two. Because to live in God-given purpose, we need to learn to heal. We need to heal. We need to heal. We need to heal our deep issues. And you're like, I don't have any issues. I'm telling you, we, got, we all have some hang-ups in our lives and things that block us away from the fullness of what God has for you. And you know why God desires fullness? Why he always talks about to be more than free? Why he talks about the abundant life? 
is, is because God is most glorified when you are most satisfied in him. I know it's like a philosophical thought or idea, but think about it. When you are most satisfied in God, I'm telling you, there is a glorification of God through your life. It makes God so big and so glad. So God is partially about your joy. He is. He's about his purpose and our joy if we think about it. Because when our joy is full of God and we are in stride with what God has made us to do and living out our purpose, I'm telling you, God is most glorified in that. He wants you so satisfied in Him that He is so glorified in you. That's how it, that's the flow, that's the symbiotic relationship that we have with God. Have you, and so we all deal with hangups, I'm telling you, and hurts. Have you ever done this, and this, or this is just me, have you ever like been in a situation, like a, like a bad situation, or someone wronged you, and you just like react in the worst way, and then you say to yourself, where did that come from? You're like, where did that come from? Where is that coming from? Why did I respond that way? How did, I, how did it start from just being a little upset to me freaking out in rage, right? I have done some dumb stuff, I'm telling you. Oh, I can tell you stories. I have told you King Super stories of my life, I'm trying to fight people at King Supers. Uh, I've told you like just things that I've done that are just ridiculous that have taken like, it is like, it, it was just like, it just nudged me a little bit and I absolutely flipped out. Like it sh I should have responded. He, they gave me a number three in response and I responded with 12. <laughs> you know, have you ever done that? It, you do that with your wife, you do that with your kids. And I've done it like at, I, I remember one time, I shouldn't tell you this, uh, but I will. I remember one time we were trying to get a, a place at Madison Park uh, at the apartment place. Anyone know where that is? Right up the street on 120th. And this guy wasn't paying attention. He was, he was like just being rude. And, uh, and I completely flipped out on him like, like a psychopath. <laughs> like they should have called the cops. And Candace is like, let's get out of here. You should, my wife is so calm when I freak out. And, uh, like, and I'm doing better, guys. I'm always doing better. But there's moments in my life that I just absolutely fall apart. And I, you do too. It might not be a moment of rage. It might be a moment of fear. Why am I feeling so much anxiety over something so small? Where is that coming from? Why am I filled with so much fear out of nowhere knowing that it might not be true? And we just fill with fear. Where does this pain come from? I believe many of us carry deep hurts that keep us from attempting and enjoying the fullness of life. Many of us. Many of us. We wish we could, but we can't because we feel stuck. Even though we know there's better for us, we continue to live in the way that we know that it's not, you know, we we've, we've continue to live in stuck, in stuck, right? And so that's what I want to touch on today. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Exodus chapter 6. Let me do that again. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Exodus chapter 6. We celebrate the Word of God. We believe it's authority of our lives. We believe it brings life. Exodus chapter 6. I'm going to start from verse 5. And this is God speaking to Moses about his people because his people are absolutely crazy. Right? His people are nuts. And the people of the Israelites, guess who they represent? Us. We think we are heroes in the Bible. I'm telling you, you're not David. You ain't Moses. You're the Israelites. You're the people who are running. You're the people who need freedom from Egypt. That's who we really 
are. And that's like God speaking to God saying, I'm going to bust you out of Egypt. In Exodus 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 5, it says, Moreover, I have heard the groanings of my people, the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant with their ancestors. That's what he's talking about. Verse 6, Therefore, say to the Israelites, say to your people, I am the Lord, and I will, number one, bring you out from the, under the yoke of the Egyptians, okay? Number two, I will free you from being slaves to them, which sounds like the same thing, but I'm going to tell you they're different. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. That's God's promise to us. And then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from the, under the yoke of the Egyptians, and I will bring you, I will deliver you to the land I swore to uplift uh, with the uplifted hand to give Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, and I will give you as a possession. I am the Lord. I'm, he's saying, I'm the boss. I'm going to do these things. You know, just imagine with me that, uh, that you and your family has been imprisoned for years in Egypt. You've been slaves for years. Just imagine this thought with me. It's been so long that you don't even remember what freedom tastes like. Don't even remember it. Now all of a sudden, and you moms like, like some of you moms like, I don't, I don't remember how freedom feels like. Right? I'm just telling you. But this is how they're feeling. They're like, I don't even remember how freedom feels like. All I know, all I've grown up was this. And now all of a sudden, you're released, free to start a new life. It sounds easy, right? Like you're free to go. You're free to go. It sounds so easy. Oh, we're going to live in our freedoms. But it wasn't quite that easy for the Israelites. They lived in a bumpy road, and it was a relearning of freedom. And I'm telling you, some of us in this room, we've been through such hardships. We've been through such, such hurt and damage that we need to relearn how to live free. We need to retrain our minds and our hearts and emotions how to live in the joys of God because we have lived in captivity for so long. I know that sounds crazy to relearn how to be free. When you free me, I know how to be free. It's not true with animals. It's not true. People who are incarcerated in the United States, within three years, half of them go back to prison. It's, it's the same idea of Stockholm Syndrome, and you can study that later. But it, 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 it's the same idea why battered women keep on going back to their abusers. Why, why uh, kids and uh, uh, girls who are caught up in sex slavery, most of them go back to their captors. Do you know that? When they're set free. You would say, why? That doesn't make sense. They have freedom. They should do whatever they want. But there's something in us. There's, it sounds nuts, but, it, uh, but well, there's something in the human condition that learns to adapt to horrific situations that no matter how painful they are or difficult it might be, and when they're there long enough in that situation, they find it difficult to function without their captivity, without that damaging thing in their lives, without that habit that is enslaving them. It becomes the, the craziness, the harm, the wounds become their normal, and they don't know how to live without the, nor without the wounds. Think about that. It becomes part of their identity. I think that's why God said in verse 6, I am the Lord your God. I will bring you uh, out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And then number two, he says, I will 
free you from being slaves to them. It's the mindset that he wants to free the, the Israelites from. It's not only physically, but it's the mental, it's the spiritual. See, God did not only have to set his people free from Egypt, he had to set them free from the mindset of Egypt. See, you can be free yet enslaved. You can go to church committed to Jesus yet still lived enslaved to your habits and your sins. And people left Egypt, but Egypt did not leave the people. Egypt messed them up, right? It messed them up. And many people today, we got messed up growing up. We got messed up. It might have been in a, in a marriage of yours. It might have been as, as a child. It might, it, we got, but throughout life, if you live this long life long enough, it will damage you. There is going to be some hurt. And, and I don't even know how to prepare that for my kids. Like one day, you'll be really hurt deeply. And they're like, uh-huh. And they're like, can we play Pokemon Go now? Or, okay, let's catch a Pikachu, you know? No, it's like, you, how do you explain that until you go through it? And, 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 and so Egypt messed them up, but we got messed up by our past, by past afflictions, by sin, by habits, by our past identity, and it's haunting some of us right now. We smile on the outside, but we deal with something just very dark on the inside. And if we were ever going to move into the future that God has for us, we need to be delivered from our past. I'm telling you. Deliverance sounds like the exorcist, but it's more like FedEx, all right? It sounds like, oh, man, this can be crazy. We're going to go. We need deliverance. Call in the priest. We think it's the exorcist, but it's more like FedEx, all right? The, God is trying to take us out of something and put us into something. It's the deliverance, right? The delivery is not complete until the package is taken into its destination, and, that, and listen, deliverance is for anyone whose past is keeping them for, and limiting them for their future life. And it's pretty much anyone, everyone in this room, if we'd be honest. Even though many of us are saved, following Jesus for years, we have not lived in the fullness of life that God has for us. Jesus said in John 10, 10, that I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. This is a promise but like the Israelites, we often settle for half the deliverance. We just want salvation. The God to take us out of the mud, but then we're stuck here, and we don't, we're not taken into something. You, you understand me? For deliverance to happen, God has to take us out and take us into something. But sometimes we just want to be taken out of something, and we're good not being taken into something. But later on, we're like, why is my life, why am I, why am I just floating in life? You don't understand purpose. And for us to have purpose, we need to be taken into something. And that's, what, that's the promise that we need to hold on to instead of holding on to our baggage, holding on to broken pieces, holding on to our past. Some of us, we sit here and we rationalize our wounds. We rationalize our situations. Like, oh, it's okay. God wants me to continue this way. We do. We rationalize the way we're living because it's easier that way than to face it head on again and again. And that's what our enemy of our soul wants us to do. Our enemy, the devil, that's right, the devil does not need to defeat us when we defeat ourselves. Man, when we live in defeat ourselves, when we don't live in the fullness of what God has for us and we're okay with okay, man, some of us have lived with a limp for years, and it's normal, it's our identity, uh, and, 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 then, and then people start to know you by your limp. They're like, oh, here's, 
Here's John. He just has daddy issues. That's just how he goes. That's Candace. She's just defensive that way because she didn't get over whatever she didn't get over, and she keeps everyone at a distance. And we know, and, and you guys call people out on it. You guys just don't call them that. You guys know it, and you can sense it. Everyone senses it but ourselves. And maybe some of us, we know that we are that defensive, that we keep everyone at arm's length because we don't want to get hurt. And, and, and the first moment of escape, we're done. We escape. We, have, we live life with an ejector seat button in our hands because we don't want to go deep. In life group, you want to talk about just the easy stuff like, yeah, I want to talk about my kids, but I don't want to talk about my issues. I don't want to talk about the real stuff that's bugging me. I don't want to talk about the real addictions that I'm facing. We, we live life on surface when God is calling us to go deep. And so that's what the, our enemy wants. So we're in the cycle of, of, of life. And how do we get out of this cycle? How do we get Egypt out? How do we live in freedom? And that's what Paul was saying in Romans 7 when he says, so I find this law at work, Romans 7, 21 to 24. He says, although I want to do good, evil is right there with me, for in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law, law work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. I love verse 24 because this is how I feel sometimes. He says, what a wretched man I am. He's just like, Gah! Have you ever felt that way about yourself? You're like, you don't even know what word to say. You're just like, Gah! Gah! right? You're just frustrated and you don't, you just, you know it shouldn't be this way. But then you move on and you live with it. And God's like, don't, because God has a way out for you. And it's a process of being brutally honest with yourself and facing your demons. What's holding you back from the abundant life, your dreams, your purpose? Here are two areas that we must face. Number one, and, it, and it, it's more complicated than these simple words, is addictions. Say addictions. Addictions are anything we do that we don't want to do, but we can't stop doing. Addictions are anything that we do that we, can't, uh, that we don't want to do, but we can't stop doing. It, we, we, we like to call out people on their addictions, but I'm telling you, we all got some stuff that controls us. We do. Ingrained patterns of false gods to escape our pain. We do. Some of us, to escape pain, we go directly into drinking. Some of us, to escape pain, we leave, uh, we, we work harder. We are workaholics, and that's how we escape. We all have certain things and certain patterns in life that we don't like, but we do, and we try not to do it, but we do them anyway, and that's called the addiction because it has control over you. Maybe you don't get drunk, but you spend about 10 hours on Facebook every day, right? You do because you, you want people to like you, right? I'm telling you, let people really like you, get to know you. Don't let them just like you because you said something smart. And then you're like, what else can I put together that people will like? They ain't liking you, right? And you copied that anyway. It's crazy. Some of you, some of you don't smoke, but you don't think twice about overeating. Right? Look at them. They're smoking. And then you're like, let's go to McDonald's. I want a quadruple Big Mac. Right? And I'm super guilty here. It's so easy to call out other people. Look, at, look I think they're addicted to that. And then, then you sit there, just stuffing your face. 
at Mr. Egg. <laughs> You're like, this is the biggest burrito I've ever eaten, and I ate it all in your face. Right? It looks like a baby's arm, but I ate it. Right? Like, we, we don't mind stuffing our face until we shouldn't. And we're like, I am so full. Let's get some new frozen yogurt. Right? It's so crazy. And then we're like, oh, look at them. I can't believe they have these addictions. And, and it's, it's so easy to call out on someone else and, and so hard to call it on yourself because we call it socially acceptable. We're Christians. We, it's okay for us to, be, to eat as much as we can. Right? It's crazy. You don't gamble but you watch TV all night long, right? You are Netflix addicted, right? You've gone through series over one night. And I'm telling you, when 24 was out, we would watch TV until 4 in the morning, then go to work. And we're like, I wonder what Jack Bauer would do, <laughs> right? That's how, we were crazy. I was like, geez, that was, that was over us. And I'd fall asleep, and Candace would still be watching. I was like, she was worse than me. You're addicted, babe. Right? I win. No, I'm just kidding. In 1 Corinthians 6.12, it says, Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Let me put it this way. What are the things that are controlling you in your life, if you would be honest? Something that needs to be a part of your identity. Some of you are, need this in your life that it, needs to, it becomes a part of your identity. You do it so much that it's a part of your identity. And we joke about it to lighten the weight of the issue. We do. We say, I'm just a workaholic. <laughs> right? And, and some of you guys grew up with workaholic parents, or you are the workaholic, and your, and your kids need you. But all you do, because you don't know what to do, because it has control over you, is you work. Some of you guys call yourself foodies. I'm just a foodie. And you just eat. And we, that's what I said. I'm just a foodie, Candace. That's why I eat so much, Right? And some of you guys are sports addicted. You guys are sports addicts. And it's okay. It's okay, right? We, we, we minimize it by saying, oh, we're just super fans, right? Some of you guys are fashionistas. You guys need to look good, be on the cutting edge, the trend of things going on, yet you're thousands of dollars in credit card debt, yet you continue to go back and say, I'm just, I just love fashion. I just do. And it's, it's another way to hide what's going on in the inside that it has become a part of your identity, and you hide it so no one can call you out on it, but the enemy of our souls wants us to believe it's essential to your identity. We need it. It gives you worth, and it starts to control you, and you can recognize your addictions by the way you protect them. Think about that. We, it, it, a threat to your addiction is a threat to you. What in your life, when someone talks about really just feels like a threat to you? People who hold you accountable, they become the enemy, right? It's like moms and dads trying to get their kids over video games, like, don't play for 20 hours. You don't understand. I need to get to level 400, right? And some of you guys are not kids. You guys are uh, driving and playing Pokemon, and they're like, turn that off. You're like, you don't understand. I need to catch whatever. I'll squirtle, Right? And so you retreat away from people who call you out. That's what people do. They retreat. I know people in, in our lives that retreat away and will change their friends because they don't want them to be called out on the things that matter. And so number one was addiction. Number two is wounds. Wounds are negative events that happen to us, what others have done to us when we had little or no control. Wounds. Abused as children. 
harsh words spoken over you, betrayal from a spouse, rejection, abandonment, leaving us wounded, bruised, and cut deep, angry, and distant. And some of us, we think we're over it, but we're not, because it continues to be an issue, and we start to be okay with it. And, it, and, it, and, it, and for marriages, when you're wounded and you don't resolve it, it continues to kill your intimacy. It distances you. And you just, you, we, as we live with it, guess what happens, man? And you might have tried to forgive, but it's easier to cling on to your anger and bitterness because they deserve it. You don't want to work it through. You don't want to face it again. You feel justified in your anger. Yet this is the very thing our enemy wants he wants us to keep so distracted in our past that we cannot move on to our purpose or our future. Ephesians 4, 26-27 says, In your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give, why? Do not give the devil a foothold on your marriage, on your life, on your identity, on all these things of value. Do not let the sun go down in that bitterness, in that anger you got to deal with it now. That's what he's saying. That's how important it is. Wounds got to get dealt with. I'm just telling you, if you know that if you don't deal with the wound, it gets infected. <laughs> Has anyone have an infection like on their arm or something because you didn't deal with it? You just, oh, it'll be okay. And then you're looking at it, you're like, this is not okay, right? It looks so nasty. When we were in Haiti, they didn't have all the medical treatment. And we would go, and there was this one lady that were dealing, she didn't have medicine to deal with her wounds. So she was putting like, some sort of like, she was putting uh, feces on it, on the wound, and it was like totally infected. And I was like, you might want to get that taken care of. She's like, oh, I'm like, what are you doing for it? She's like, oh, I'm putting poop on it. And I was like, you might not want to do that. They didn't, she didn't understand and, and, uh, that that would make it worse. And we're like, that's so foolish. That's so dumb. Who would put feces on their wound? That's what we do. That's right. That's exactly what we do. We, put, we get into an argument. There's some, there's some distraught in our family. There's things that we don't want to deal with, and we just put more crap on it. We're like, oh, it'd be okay. It's not going to get worse. Don't worry about this arm. If I lose it, I have one more, right? And we do that in our families and in our lives, at our workplace. We, we start getting angry at someone. We keep this anger between one another, and, it's, and we say, it's okay. We just keep on putting garbage and crap on it like it's not going to get worse, like it's going to just work out. It just works out. No, nothing just works out. That's not the real world. And just how foolish we would think about, about that Haitian woman. We do the same thing in our marriages sometimes. We do the same thing without dealing with our true issues and we let the wounds get affected, affecting our actions, our hopes, our future, our life. Because bitterness will literally kill you. It will literally kill you. It will, it will, it will. The stress of bitterness will literally kill you. Have you ever been mad at someone and someone invites you over but you can't go to their house because you're mad at them? It's literally changing what the actions that you should be doing. And we're like, oh, it's okay. No, it's not okay. <laughs> I told you, uh, uh, when you when you're mad at one another, you try to avoid each other or not talk to each other, you do that long enough. I'm telling you, it will literally kill that marriage. You will literally kill that relationship with you and your parent or you and your brother. Bitterness will kill. It's time to confront our past sins, our addictions, and our wounds and experience the freedom, the abundant life 
the joy, the growth that God has promised us. It is His promise. Jesus has promised us, and He is faithful to keep His promises. See, there is a power. There's something that we must do. It's called confession. Say confession. Confe- there is power in confession. In First John 1 John 1.19, it says, when we confess to God, we have assurance of His forgiveness. But there's another part of confession that, we need to get, that will set us free. It's, it's what James says, that we need to confess to one another. That's right. You need to get it out. There is a power in that when we confess to one another. James 5, 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Healed. That's what God wants to do. Not so that your garbage comes out. No, you may be healed. You may be free so that you may be healed. Confession to God takes care of our past, but confession to one another makes sure it doesn't happen again. It becomes accountability. It brings freedom. And that's why we need authentic Christ-centered community in our lives. When you think you don't need people in your lives, you're already lying to yourself. People make life better. They do. Some people make life worse. I know. It's hard. But in that same understanding, it's people that make your life better, too. You need to take that risk. Are you willing to take that risk in this room to allow people in your life, to allow true community? God designed us in a way that when we confess our faults, our hurts, our hang-ups, our damages, our sin, guess what happens? We get closer. Yeah, you would think it would drift us apart, and that's what we've been told our life. Don't, don't you got to fake it to make it. I'm telling you, don't. Don't, it helps no one. It helps no one. Then you, then if Paul doesn't confess and isn't real with people, then we think, oh, Paul's life must be perfect. I better act like Paul. Then I'm faking it. Then the next person fakes it. Then our whole church, and it has happened in the history of the church, where it becomes absolute legalism that no one wants to share what's really going on, and everyone's faking it, and everyone's far from each other, everyone's far from God, and they're okay with it. The very opposite of what Jesus has called community to be. What the first church really was. What James was really talking about. But you know why it's hard? Because it's brutally honest. And I don't want you to be just transparent. There's a difference being being transparent. I'm just being real, right? Some people are, I'm just being transparent. I'm just being real, right? There's a difference between that and being honest with yourself and showing what really hurts you. That's real transparency that we need. Not the, I'm being real guy. No one needs to be real if you're not going to be real. I just want to let you know what I think. That's cool. Are, are you going to let us in? No. Then you're not being real because you don't want to really deal with yourself. You just want to let other people know what you think. That's not transparency. That's garbage, man. That's weak stuff. The stuff that Jesus is called to is way harder. It's way harder. You really got a man up. You really got a woman up to get to a place where we allow people in our lives, where we allow God to heal the deep things in our lives. That's real transparency that God is talking to us about. And when you do that, there's a spiritual momentum that takes place when you verbalize it, asking God to take over the situation. He begins to heal. He swoops on in when we finally verbalize it. 
why do we need to ask God to save us, ask God to come into our lives? Because there's something that happens in the power of the tongue. It says in Proverbs that there's life and death in the power of our tongue. And when you speak it out, it, 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 it does something in the spiritual. That's why I want you, I, I believe repentance and confession should not be like a vacation that we go once in a while. It should be something that we do daily. Confession is good for the soul. Repentance is needed for us. And it says this in Revelation 12, 11. It says, this is where freedom comes from. Jay triumphed over him, our enemy, by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, and by the word of our testimony. We must testify. We must speak it out. you got to confess it. And as we close today, let's stand. Let's stand. I know many of us in this room need healing. We do. You look at me like you don't, but I'm telling you, you do. You look at me like you can fake it, but I'm telling you, your faking is helping no one. It's not even helping you and your family. It does not help. But we need to come to a place where we say, God, I'm, I, I just need you, God. I need to confess that from my tongue. I need to, I need to speak that out so I can I let myself hear that I need God sometimes. I need to let myself hear it. I need to let my words translate that out. We've been living in addiction and hurt and wounds and hang-ups for way too long and we've been okay with it and saying that's just my normal. It's not the normal life that God has for you. It's not the abundant life that Christ wants for you. There is more. There has to be more. There has to be more. If that's it, I don't want to live that life. There has to be more. But the change of behavior only comes by a change of heart. Most of us don't want to change heart. We just want a change of circumstance. And listen up right here because this is important. We don't want to stop eating. We just want to be skinny and buff, right? Because our thought pattern is wrong. That's how I am. I don't want to stop eating. I like food, right? I just want to be awesome buff. Like my wife can wash her clothes on my abs. Like I want crazy stuff. We want the wrong things because we're still addicted to the, to the behavior. We, we, we don't want to stop overspending. We just want to have enough money and be financially independent. See how the heart is wrong there? The heart is determining the behavior. We don't want to stop lusting. We just want to have an awesome marriage. See how the, the mind and the heart is wrong there? And until you get the heart right, you can't change your behavior. Because the biggest issue we have is that we really have not given Jesus lordship over our life. He's not the boss. We want Jesus sprinkles on Sundays and a couple of moments here and there, but we don't want to continue to live in His way, which hasn't worked. Why are we continuing in that way if it doesn't work? Think about that. If Jesus sprinkles don't work, don't do it. Man, maybe for one moment I double dog dare you to jump all the way in like jumping off a cliff into Christ and saying, take all of me, God every bit, every disaster in my life, I give it to you. If you want to flip it for your glory, it's yours. I put it in your hand. It's not mine. I put it in your hand. I put my entire life, my future into your hand. I tried it myself. I'm not very good at it. I, I got everything I wanted, yet I still feel empty because we have not encountered and experienced the depth of what God has for us, which is not all these things, but it's God himself. It is. You know why we pray? It's well, why we ask for more of God? Why we ask is, is literally to get more of God. It's not so, God, I want more of you so you can bless my life. The heart is wrong. That's the same thing of overeating and then wanting to be buff, right? 
I, God, I, I want more of you so you can. At some point, it's saying, I want more of you so I can have more of you, God. That is the heart of Christianity. That is the right heart of following Christ. That's where I want you to get to. I want more of you so I can have more of you because you are what I want. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, just be here with us. Jesus, if we need a change, if there's certain addictions and wounds in our life, if you're in this place and you are dealing with just harm and you know, you know Jesus, you've been following Jesus, but you, you know that there's wounds and just hang-ups in your life that you need to get right and you need to just offer up to God. If that's you, just raise your hand. Dealing with addictions and wounds and things that have gotten you, you can put your hand down. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person that raised their hand, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus, and I need you to confess it too. Uh, Jesus, uh, heal my heart. Jesus, heal my mind. Heal my past. I need to let it go. I need that to break off my life. I do not want to identify with my past when you have an awesome future for me. And if you're also in here and you have not made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life and you have tried to make be boss of your life and you're like, I'm done doing it. I need God to cleanse me all the way and I need him to be Lord. I'm in all the way. If that's you and if that's not you, you don't need to raise your hands. But if you want God to have every part of you, everything of you, your future, I want you to raise your hand and say, God, I need to get absolutely, you need to be Lord of my life. Thank you all over this room. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I pray for everyone who have raised their hands, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that let your will be done. I pray that today would be a new day, a refreshing day, Lord God. And I pray the joy of God that you have promised us, we're going to seek after that. Because what we want is not more things and more to add to our life. We just want more of God. To sing that last, I receive. To sing it with us. raise your voice sometimes you got to confess it sometimes you need to say it get loud guys one last time this is your prayer to God I receive going to do right now we're going to pray for the youth they're going to the desperation conference this this week and we're going to pray for just just life altering just just god's presence to just man just to be in their heart like the same experience the encounter that you need i want us to pray that over our youth so i just want let's let's pray together for our, our teenagers and our youth heavenly father i just pray lord god as they go this week lord god that they would receive in jesus name the fullness of plans the fullness of your joy the fullness of your passion the fullness of who you are this 
week, Lord God, and I pray let your will be done. Let your kingdom come in their life, Lord God, and I pray for eternal change to happen, Lord God, during the Desperation Conference, Lord God. I pray in the name of Jesus, we thank you for our students, Lord God, and we thank you for push students, Lord God, but we pray, Lord God, for life change. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Get to know one another, man. Get into a group if you need prayer. We're always up here. But God bless you guys. Thank you for being here.